In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. All right, welcome back to the Bravo Docket. As always, thank you for listening. Today is going to be the second part of our two-part series on the lawsuit that Joanna Krupa from the Real Housewives of Miami filed against Brandy Glanville of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for slander for her awful words on Watch What Happens Live. Last time, we kind of laid the groundwork for what discovery is and went over some interesting discovery requests filed in this lawsuit, including some cool requests for production, um, interrogatory requests. And then there were also some Bravo celebrities that were deposed as well, like Lisa Vanderpump, Mohammed Hadid, Yolanda Hadid. So we are now at the stage where Brandy is filing motions for summary judgment and including excerpts of those transcripts alongside her papers. So we're getting some insight into this case and some juicy background that I guess we weren't anticipating, like the fallout between Brandy and LVP is discussed in LVP's deposition transcript. So we'll get into all of that later. But first, like, what is a motion for summary judgment? So a motion for summary judgment is a motion that is filed by either the plaintiff or defendant stating that on whatever legal issue there is, that the court can decide that legal issue because there's no issue of material fact that is disputed with regard to the legal issue that they're asking the court to decide. So just as a refresher, the judge is the one that decides issues of law and a jury is typically the one that decides issues of fact. Now, if you have a bench trial and there is no jury, the judge will also decide the issues of fact. Here, a jury jury trial was requested, so it's up to the judge to make the rulings on the issues of law. So... That's basically what that is. And then if you win on a major issue of law, that can win the entire case. Like in this instance, Brandy was claiming that there was essentially no jurisdiction, meaning that the case should not have been filed in Florida. It should have been filed in California and that it's California law that applies 
And that was a big deal in this case because in California, the statute of limitations for slander is one year, and in Florida, it's two years. And so that would have barred the claims and maybe even gotten rid of the entire case if the court had found that there was jurisdiction in California and not in Miami. Yeah, so this is a 100-page motion with several exhibits attached. Um, They're not, like, the juicy ones yet. Do you want to just touch on, like, what was attached to this first summary judgment motion? Yeah, I will say that Brandy, Brandy's attorney in filing the summary judgment motion and attempting to essentially defeat the entire claim with the statute of limitations and the jurisdiction issue did an excellent job of pulling up all of the records they could find showing that Joanna Krupa was actually a resident of California. So there are the Krupa statements in a motion to compel, um, excerpts of Krupa's tax returns, her California voter registration, California property tax records, California DMV records. And so there's a lot of, you know, actual documentation that is it's a it's a you know a public record that is easily authenticated that shows that at least for like some part of the time Krupa was a resident of California as some of these things were going on it's pretty decent as far as backing that argument up but the timeline doesn't totally fit yeah and then Joanna files an affidavit explaining her residency and the timeline of her residency And the court ends up denying the motion for summary judgment, Brandy's motion for summary judgment, but on the arguments of jurisdiction. So it says that there is an issue of material fact that exists with regard to Krupa's residency. So the case continues. Yes, which I mean, is kind of maybe a little unusual in this instance. It's I mean, at this point, like you if the court was later going to find that there was no jurisdiction, you wouldn't want to go through all of the rest of the discovery and like the entire trial and all of that motion practice and work just to have the court say there's no jurisdiction after you've spent all that money. So I thought that was a little bit procedurally, maybe a little bit unusual. There wouldn't be more of an evidentiary hearing in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Because at this point, they've already done like It's like a year and a half in and then for the court to throw it out on like a technicality, which I feel like jurisdiction is a procedural technicality. It's just ridiculous. And they've already done all the depositions of Yolanda and LVP and all that. So it just seems a little I normally see it at the beginning, like motion to dismiss phase. But this is pretty far into the case. Yeah. And there could be lots of reasons for that for like they couldn't have maybe the lawyers didn't initially realize that. There was such an issue with jurisdiction in the beginning because Krupa was married in Miami, lived mm-hmm. in Miami, uh, you know, so they, this could have come up during discovery. It's just normally you would want that issue decided at the very beginning before all of the costs and expense. Um, so you could refile in the proper jurisdiction or, or, you know, in this case, maybe not because there's of the statute of limitations. However, Krupa, this becomes incredibly, this is an incredibly contentious case. Um, Krupa then, like, a couple days later, after this motion to dismiss, files a motion for, to amend to include punitive damages. Um, I think we've talked about punitive damages in some of our other podcasts. Oh, Sonia, the Sonia episode, that had, Sonia had to pay punitive damages. Mm -hmm. Um, Ceci, do you want to say what punitive damages are again? Yeah, it's kind of like exemplary damages, so it's... Your conduct was so outrageous that you need to be punished for your behavior. 
Usually damages, it's like to make the person whole. So you look at like how much revenue they lost or like how in that case with the Southern Charm politician, he was arguing that he like lost contracts because of the harm to his reputation. So there it would be like the amount of money he lost because of those contracts being terminated, which he hasn't won yet. So I'm just using that as an example. But punitive damages goes beyond that, beyond making the person whole and punishing the person for their outrageous behavior. It kind of sets an example or like a a signal to other people, like do not behave this way or you're going to get this extra fine on top of what you already have to pay. Yeah, exactly. They really are just like supposed to be a deterrent and literally punitive punishment. They are supposed to be um, punishment. So this motion for punitive damages um, really had some juicy exhibits attached to it. It had excerpts of Lisa Vanderpump's deposition, excerpts of Muhammad Hadid's deposition, excerpts of Brandy's deposition. And we enjoyed reading those and we thought you would enjoy hearing some testimony from LVP, Brandy and Muhammad Hadid, as well as hearing the questions the lawyers asked asked. Um, And then also some of the, um, how do you, would you say, like the attitude or there's, there's a lot of personality that comes out in some of the responses (laughs) that are given under oath for the record and will be there forever. And we thought maybe you guys would be interested in those. Now, I will say pointing out in this motion for punitive damages is like, it's pointed out that one, Brandy changes her testimony and that Neither LVP nor Muhammad Hadid backed Brandy up in any way at all. And you will see when we give you this information, like read some of the transcript, LVP is done with Brandy. Like, I think this lawsuit, I think, was the final absolute straw. The fact that Brandy said these things and then, you know, blamed them on LVP. LVP is done. She is done with Brandy in this, not having it. And Hadid absolutely backs up what... LVP says, oh, also, <laughs> this is <laughs> this motion for punitive damages also uh, says that it, it talks about how Brandy has not retracted her statements or told the world that she lied and that she changed her story, blames others and attempts to claim she was just saying nonsense. Brandy does try to say, you'll see in her deposition transcript, that she is just speaking nonsense. Also, Brandy admits to the salmon incident, which we discussed in our previous <laughs> episode, um, which that testimony is just, wow. Um, and by, you know, the salmon incident happened while the lawsuit is pending. So not, not a good look. Um, and then Vanderpump and Hadid are just adamant that the statements about Joanna Krupa, that they're, that they're not fault, that they're not accurate, that they're false. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just to, to put it into context again, this is in Joanna's motion for punitive damages. She's already filed the complaint asking for damages, you know, to make her whole or whatnot. This is going beyond that because what Brandy has said is so outrageous because she's claiming that she just made it up and because she hasn't apologized for it, despite having this whole time to apologize for it. So that's why she's attaching all of these exhibits to support those claims and try and push for punitive damages in the case. Should we read some of these? Yeah, let's let me give the legal standard in Florida for punitive damages in this case uh, first real quick. The first, it's intentional misconduct, which means that uh, Brandy had an actual knowledge of the wrongfulness of the conduct and actual knowledge of the high probability that injury or damage to the claimant would result, the claimant being Joanna. 
and that despite that knowledge, intentionally pursued that course of conduct resulting in injury or damage. Then it's also gross negligence, meaning that Brandy's conduct was so reckless or wanting in care that it constituted a conscious disregard or indifference for the life, safety, or rights of persons exposed to such conduct. So that's the standard for punitive damages in a case like this. But yes, let's get into the depot transcripts. <laughs> let's do this. Like, do you want to be the lawyer and I'll be the witness for this first well, one? I want to... I want to be LVP. <laughs> well, no, this is this is Brandy's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll totally the first be the one lawyer. is Brandy's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll let you, you be the LVP. I'll be Brandy. Okay. So, you, do you want to? Yeah, let me depose me. All right, there we go. Okay, Brandy's depot. So this is I'm the lawyer. So just so I understand, other than what we covered with the smelly vagina, you're now saying that Mr. Hadid was shaking his head yes, as if to indicate that he had an affair with Mrs. Krupa that broke up his marriage. He was nodding his head yes, so that Lisa was could tell me that she had a smelly whatever. And when I said that, Yolanda and I had been up at the fronts, and the fact that she ran away, very telling. I assumed, obviously, one, Yolanda knows, one of many affairs that this man had that ended her marriage. Do you realize you just changed your testimony? No. Ma'am, you told me that Miss Vanderpump right. made your vulgar statement. Right. Not Mr. Hadid. Right. He nodded that she could say it. Here. Right. You said Mr. Hadid said it. Well, he... Did you not say that? I did say that. That is not correct. You said... And that is com- and that is completely different than your sworn testimony. Well, because I don't want to lie. You're lying on the TV? No, it came out quickly after a couple of drinks, and I was in the heated conversation in a Twitter war with your client. You were in a Twitter war. She said she understood why my husband left me. And that was after you accused her of breaking up. I did not. I said she, she slept with Mohammed. Ma'am, let me finish. That was after you accused her of breaking up the Foster Hadid marriage. Adriana accused her of not myself. Now, Mrs. Glanville. Yes. You also said I win. Okay. You won what? The argument. That's all you cared about? In the moment when someone says... I see why your husband left you when... I won. That's what you said, right? Then another attorney comes in and says, let her finish answering the question. Isn't that what you said? Am I able to answer the question? You did answer the question. The video doesn't take away... Go ahead. Isn't it true you said, I won? It's on the video. You said it, right? It's on the video. Did you say it or not? Yes, I said it on the video. And your entire comment was to win. No, it was a knee-jerk reaction to an insult from your client. When you get in a fight with someone, somebody hits you. You hit back. You don't think about it before you do. You just do it. Think about it later. Well, maybe some people don't, but most people do. Most people don't. So you're hitting here. What do you mean you're hitting her? We weren't actually hitting each other. You said you got into a fight, and when you're hitting, you don't think about it. I... So you're saying that you actually did attempt to hurt my client? No. Didn't you do interviews where you admit that your statement was done in retaliation? I said it was done as a knee-jerk reaction to an insult that she had said about me and Howard Stern, yes. Ma'am, didn't you say that you did it in retaliation? I said I did it as a knee-jerk reaction. With, if you don't know what that means, you know that, that just, it just happened. You don't have control over it. Ma'am, didn't you didn't you give an interview where you said it was in retaliation? I also said a knee-jerk reaction. So that's a yes. No. Okay. Did you tell the truth on the Howard Stern show? Yes, I did. Woof. Okay. <laughs> Lots right. of So obviously Brandy is not an easy witness to uh 
examine and not necessarily because she's so smart, just because she is just not cooperating most of the she's time. Combative. Yeah, she's very combative. And then this attorney, I think it's hard to tell from the transcript, but this attorney appeared to possibly be getting frustrated with her and uh, not necessarily wording the questions. When you're taking a deposition, you always want to think about how you're making a writing. Like you are making a document and it has to be clear for the record. When witnesses are combative, that becomes very difficult sometimes, but you have to just the best thing to do usually is just to keep restating the same exact question and you need to word it correctly the first time. And if they don't answer it, you repeat it. It's like, ma'am, that's not what I asked you. What I asked you was blah, blah, blah. Isn't it true? Whatever. Um, but I, we thought that was pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess to note, she wa- she went on the Howard Stern show. This is what they're trying to get at. She went on the Howard Stern show on July 1st, 2015, where they were discussing the lawsuit. It was like the complaint was filed in January 2015. So it was only what, seven months after? And she admitted, she said, um, she called in and, and said, I see why your husband left you. And that's my Achilles heel. Like, F you. It, it just it comes out. It was a retaliation. As for how much the suit cost, right now, it's $54,000. And she said that the lawsuits were a rich way to bully. So the you could tell that the attorney is trying to get her to say it was a retaliation because that's literally what she said on the Howard Stern show. Right. But she just keeps pushing back. And then finally, he's just like, did was everything you said on Howard Stern truthful? She, and then she says yes. Yeah. So, he, so the attorney does get her eventually to admit it. But the record isn't super clear on that. Um, but you typically don't expect witnesses to be so combative, and it's typically not in the witness's favor to be combative. I typically coach my witnesses to, you know, even if they get frustrated, to just, you know, understand that, like, just I tell them to sometimes imagine opposing counsel as a small child and that they're patiently explaining the truth to a small child. And sometimes you have to repeat yourself a lot. I tell them not to get combative. I tell them to only answer the question that's been asked. Don't volunteer information. Rely on me to, you know, redirect, whatever. But it's it's almost never good if your witness is getting combative. Attorneys do this for a living. This is what we do all day long. This is our job. Even if your witness is incredibly smart, you're probably not going to outsmart the other attorney because they have a singular goal. And this is literally they're getting paid to ask you questions by the hour. So Mm -hmm. they will keep asking. (laughs) It's just not usually good to get combative like that. Yeah. Yeah. And we won't read this, but she uh, we've mentioned this argument before where she just keeps saying what she said about like the sushi statement was a joke. Um, so they attach that to the motion for punitive damages to show that, like, Brandy thinks this is all funny. Then she also discusses the salmon incident, which we mentioned before, is Joanna claims she was at a restaurant and was given a plate of salmon by Brandy. And perhaps Yolanda and Kyle and Kim were also there or knew about it. She was deposed about it. and It's like everybody was asked about the salmon incident. <laughs> it's just and this is already as... They, the lawsuit's already going on. The motion to dismiss had just been filed. I think perhaps Brandy thought she was going to win the motion to dismiss. And so uh, I think sending over a um, plate with an entire salmon on it was supposed to be some sort of like... Uh, Tongue-in-cheek. You know, Tongue-in-cheek, like, bitch, I'm going to win. Here's your fish. But it's just, it's not a good look. 
in any event, like best case scenario, Krupa gets the fish and it doesn't get brought up in court. What this ended up doing was costing Brandy probably thousands of dollars in additional legal fees because she had to sit there while her attorney had to like defend her in this deposition while all these people, including Krupa's ex-husband, are asked about the salmon incident. And then there's also like the drafting of discovery requests by Joanna to Brandy about the salmon incident. So what Brandy ended up doing by trying to do this maybe tongue-in-cheek prank was cost herself thousands of dollars in legal fees. And, like, brought Kyle into it and brought him into it. Because that was the only... Like, the requests sent to Kyle and Kim were about the salmon stuff. Yeah. So... Yeah. She just cost herself a lot of money and didn't actually accomplish anything. Although it does appear that she did upset Joanna and her now (laughs) ex-husband. By the same incident. Yeah. So we get a little bit more insight into that. And Brandy blames it on a fan or like fans sent the salmon to Joanna instead of Brandy and her table. No, Brandy was involved. Um, like Brandy admits well, yeah, she I was. Know. Yeah. But she's like saying it was the fan's she idea. She picked the fish. Yeah. She picked out the fish. And then she tries to like twist it by saying that it was never sent to Joanna's table <laughs> because Joanna declined it. So... The waiter came back and said, Mrs. Krupa declines fish because she's a vegetarian. (laughs) I do believe they came over with the plate of fish and then she declined it. So, like, it wasn't ever set set on the table. But, again, this is, like, you know, attorneys costing hundreds and hundreds of dollars an hour that are sending discovery requests and then taking depositions. And then, oh, you also have to pay for, like, the transcript. So the court reporters are, like, very talented and they make a lot of money and they charge, like, by the page – and so every page of deposition testimony where the salmon incident is discussed is costing, you know, Brandy, well, also and Joanna, but like Brandy money. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the money was hurting Brandy a lot more than Joanna, from what yeah. I can tell. Yeah. And Brandy in her deposition also says, did I think it was funny? Yes. Because at this <laughs> point, I'm very upset about the lawsuit. Oof, girl. Stop talking. Because <laughs> it's literally like, I'm mad that you filed this lawsuit, so I'm continuing my retaliatory actions. You know? I'm going to send you salmon and go on Howard Stern and just explode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not good. It, oh, yeah, so, so you picked the type of fish, yes. Knowing the fish was yeah. supposedly relative to your comments about my client's personal parts, correct? The witness, correct. All right. And you didn't realize that sending that would be humiliating. Brandy, it wasn't my idea. <laughs> like, and then she, but she laughed about it. Yeah, just like. Right. Ugh. So the LVP depot is next. And it goes exactly as you would imagine LVP being deposed about a person that she no longer is friends with and has no interest in protecting or helping. All right. So here we go. I will play. The attorney and Angela will play LVP. Don't be be nice. I don't. I'm not saying I have a good British accent. I just happen to. You be... don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I just. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. Okay. Are you familiar with those statements that Miss Glanville made on the show? I don't remember the show in its entirety, and I think I might have seen something on Miami Housewife reunion pertaining to that, but I really don't remember. I do remember her saying something very derogatory on Watch What Happens Live, and I remember it being. And I remember being aghast. After those comments that my client tweeting in that she understands why, I'm paraphrasing, that she's no longer with her husband, Miss Glanville states that Mr. Hadid told her that Miss Krupa, sorry, I don't like to say these words, but pussy smelled. And then she claimed that you were there, witnessed it, and heard it as well. Is that true? 
No. Has Mr. Hadid ever said anything like that to Brandy Glanville in your presence? No. Having known Mr. Hadid for 10 years or so, is that even the type of thing Mr. Hadid would say to a person? No, I know him very well, and that's not the kind of language he would use. Was there ever any occasion that Mr. Hadid, you, and Miss Glanville discussed any sexual relationship with Mr. Hadid and Miss Krupa? No, I never believed him to have any sexual relationship with Joanna. I believe them to be friends, and I don't think we would have gone to dinner with his fiancée had they had a sexual relationship. Well, regardless of whether it was a sexual relationship or not, did Mr. Hadid ever tell you that Miss Krupa broke up their marriage? Absolutely not. And did Mr. Hadid ever tell you anything negative about Miss Krupa? No. And certainly, did you ever hear Mr. Hadid speaking to Miss Glanville about Miss Krupa at all? No. We'll continue. Now she kind of shifts the deposition. This is unusual to see, but because this LVP was so friendly to basically the prosecution, uh, not the prosecution, but like to the plaintiff, to Joanna Krupa, like it was essentially like this attorney, Joanna Krupa's attorney, just kind of lets LVP take over the depot a little bit. (laughs) So uh, Krupa's attorney tries to like hand LVP a copy of a document. And instead of looking at the document, LVP just starts volunteering information. She says, she also said on another Watch What Happens Live that Mr. Hadid tried to kiss her. Miss Glanville said this? Yes. And he was very upset about that. That wasn't true. And so, you know, he tried to kiss her. I'm bankrupt. I lived in the valley. I knew my house was going to be burnt down. I had Cedric deported. I can go on with an endless litany of things that she said that just aren't true. She said this all to the public? Yes. And it was in e-headline news, which was very damaging for me. You know, Lisa Vanderpump, which is bankrupt. I have worked... I'm altruistic. I'm a philanthropist. I'm a businesswoman, and my integrity and my reputation are everything to me. And to have it on headline news, a lot of people are not turning into that show to watch the results. A lot of people, they just see the headline. Right. And that was very damaging to me. I've never retaliated. I have no need to, but I did not appreciate it. Are you familiar when it is that Ms. Glanville stopped talking about my client relative to our filing of the lawsuit? I have no idea. I don't follow her on social media, but I... I actually do believe she said something else on an Andy Cohen show pertaining to your client. Yes, approximately a year later. But I don't know if that was after the lawsuit. It was not. It was before. Right. On December the 16th, 2014, on Bravo's Watch What Happens Live Clubhouse, she asked the host, Andy Cohen, in relationship to Miss Krupa, if she had food poisoning from bad sushi. Sorry, I... That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Then she went on to say she... She's what? She's stunning, but you can't help the odor situation, referring to my client. Right. I think I saw a clip of that somewhere. I must admit, I haven't paid too much attention because I have other things on my mind. I understand, but you can understand how my client would be very upset, and her husband very upset that these types of things are said about her to the public. I do understand why she's upset, but I do also think the whole thing should have been dropped. Sorry. Well, you do realize that until the lawsuit and Miss Glanville being subject to the lawsuit, she was not stopping with her comments. I understand. Right. Okay. <laughs> you kind of remind me of, um, you're doing great with a British accent, but you kind of remind me of um, uh, the first season of The Crown. <laughs> <laughs> really channeling. <laughs> yeah. This part was weird to me because it sounds like the attorney is like trying to convince LVP that the lawsuit's in Joanna's interest. And it's like, why are you? I, they, they're like having a very engaging. like. I agree. I, I thought it was odd. Yeah. That he was like in, 
but it's I think that is like uh, it's just LVP is so like she has a very commanding and compelling presence that somehow she made this attorney try to sell the case to her, even though she was already saying things that were helpful to his case. It's like yeah. she I think this attorney, I think Joanna's attorney was like really wanting to convince LVP like he wanted her approval. And yeah, it was so bizarre. He's like, but it is a good lawsuit. Like, it, agree with me. <laughs> She's like, nah. Because in a way, LVP also is just is basically saying, like, I would never. Brandy said all kinds of terrible things about me. Now I'm forced to sit here and waste my time, like giving testimony under oath to try to help this Joanna Krupa. But like LVP's point was Brandy is not a credible source. She's never been a credible source. And you are giving more credibility to it by like, you know, filing this lawsuit. And she says, I mean, LVP says, I don't give anything that Brandy Glanville says any credence or credibility and don't invest. I always say consider the source. And it's like, it, it really is. It's, it's, it's fascinating because you almost never see something like that in a deposition where the attorney is like, somehow seeking the approval of the witness and it's like she already said Mm -hmm. it's like you have to know when to stop in a deposition when you're getting testimony and you've gotten helpful stuff you have to know when to stop and a a lot of Mm -hmm. times like it's just like don't ask those other three questions just if you've got something good it's really tempting but don't keep going yeah okay and then she keeps going do you want to read these lisa yes LVP says, but also Brandy has said that I got her fired, which is absolutely a down and out lie. And I might have taken some heat for at the last reunion. I said, you fired her. She tried to put the blame on me, trying to discredit me, saying I had her fired. Absolute lie. I've been a victim of a lot of her lies. I don't have the power to have anybody fired. And if I did, she would have been fired the year before. No further questions. <laughs> the attorney says no further questions right after that. So great. Yeah. Mic drop. End yeah, of it. Mic drop. Done. No further questions. Yeah, you could tell she was just so over it. And then they depose, or then we get to the transcript of Mohammed Hadid, who is the star of this lawsuit as well. <laughs> the, un- the unreluctant star. Unreluctant star. So they get into how he and Joanna first met. And I don't know if people are liking us reading these, but I, we have to read this one because we can put timestamps in the description so, so you can skip ahead if you don't want. We'll put them in the description so you can skip ahead if you don't yeah. want to read. Do you want to be the lawyer? Sure. You can be. I'll be a man. The mogul. I'm not going to read like a man. You can be <laughs> Gigi. He sounds like Hadid's dad. <laughs> uh, I've always wanted to be Gigi Hadid's dad. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Hadid, are you familiar with Lisa Vanderpump? Yes, I am. (laughs) And sir, are you, how are you familiar with her? We've met in the past. I think we were probably nine or ten years of friendship. We met through acquaintances and we became friends since. And from your experience with Miss Vanderpump, have you found her to be an honest individual? I have. And how are you familiar with Miss Krupa? Joanna, I met her, I think around... I can't recall, 2002 or 2003. Actually, on the side of the street, she was... Something was wrong with her car, and she had a sign on it that said, for sale. I stopped, and I was going to buy it for one of my staff, or I can't remember what it was. I think it was a convertible car or something. That's how I stopped and met her. 
Okay, sidebar. Pause. Like, pause. That is the most ridiculous statement of, like, like this beautiful Polish supermodel is just standing on the side of the street with a car with a sign on it that says for sale or something. And then Muhammad stops by, like, just stops on the street. Like, what is, where is this place in Beverly Hills where there's Polish supermodels selling cars on the side of the street? And then, you know. It is like, if I, I didn't think they slept together before, but I f- my opinion now has changed exactly. given this I testimony. Was like, oh, they probably didn't sleep together, although Joanna Krupa is somebody that's as beautiful, that would be beautiful and appealing to Muhammad Adid, but I would believe they didn't sleep together until Muhammad starts rambling about how he's found her on the side of the street with a car that he decided to buy from her. Like, and there was, and he says staff. there was something wrong with the car, but then he wanted to buy it. I, I, I mean... It is the most ridiculous like... story I've ever heard. <laughs> ever. <laughs> When does anyone ever stop? Okay, assuming there was a car, when does anyone ever stop in the middle of L.A. or whatever to go help someone with their car? Come on. Get out of here. I don't know. I'm from the Midwest where people do stop, but I... Oh. (laughs) Yeah. But that, like... But also, but, like, she wouldn't, like, is the car for sale? Was there something wrong with it? Or did you stop, like, to help? Like, what? What? It makes it just makes no sense. It makes no sense. I was almost like, right, was he drunk when he was giving this testimony? It just makes no sense. <laughs> like, okay, so uh, end sidebar. Back to questioning. In the in and in the course of your relationship with Miss Krupa, have you found that she's an honest person? As far as I'm concerned, she's always been honest. I don't know what she does with other people. With me, she's been truthful. Yes. Have you ever had any conversations with Miss Glanville relative to my client Joanna Krupa? I've never, ever spoken to Brandy about Joanna Krupa. I didn't even know that she knew Joanna Krupa. Did Joanna Krupa have anything to do with your breakup with your wife, former wife, Yolanda Foster? Absolutely not. And while you were in an intact marriage with Yolanda Foster, did you have any relationship with Miss Krupa? Absolutely not. And in fact, when is it that you and Miss Foster, I... I know her name at the time. We were separated approximately 2001, and I met Joanna Krupa, I believe 2002 or 2003. I can't recall. So a year or two years after you and Miss Foster had separated. Absolutely. I was living in Los Angeles. She was living in Santa Barbara. Again, volunteering unnecessary information. (laughs) That was not the question. Also, like asking people if they have a reputation for honesty generally isn't, especially like a, a witness that's not... That's not super helpful or even admissible. And it, it is a deposition. We're not in court. So that's different. Right. But it's, yeah. it's not. Yeah. It's not like you can ask for it. Have you ever known an instance? Have you ever caught somebody? In a, I don't know. But it's just like asking about, are they, do you think they're honest? Like, it, that's opinion testimony. It's, you know. Yeah. It's, it's kind of It's odd. also interesting. They're like setting up this timeline where he was separated from Yolanda before he met Joanna. But there isn't a question as to whether or not they ever had sex. Yeah, it's, I mean... It's, They're, like, skirting I, around it. Hadid is overcompensating in his answers. Like, it's, most of the time, a simple yes or no would have been fine. Like, yes, I, I found him to be honest. No, I didn't cheat on my wife with her. Like, he's he's volunteering a lot of unnecessary information. Did Miss Glanville tell you and Miss Vanderpump what she states here? Never. And so, just for context, he's shown, uh, there's, like, a transcript of what brandy said on watch what happens live and so he's showing that to uh oh no this is a transcript of brandy's deposition and he's showing that to muhammad hadid in the deposition so 
Miss Glanville continues on page 68, line one, and then Lisa Vanderpump said, can I tell her? Muhammad shook his head and said what I repeated. So the question is, uh, tell me, answer, Joanna has a smelly vagina. Did that ever occur? I don't talk like that. I am, I have four girls, four children, and anyone, either on a, in any conversations in the last 10 years with Lisa or anyone else, these words don't come out of my mouth. I have never, ever spoken of anyone's private parts, Joanna or anyone else. So I would, if it's not then, it would have never been. Again, volunteering, like, just the answer to that question is no. Yeah, <laughs> too much. So, well, Miss Glanville has changed from the November show where she says, you said this to now she's saying Miss Vanderpump said this. Let me read for you at line page 68, line 10. Question, okay. And did they say anything about how they knew that Mr. Hadid, I take it you're saying that Mr. Hadid told you that Joanna had a smelly vagina? Answer, that's not what I said. I said he nodded yes, and Lisa Vanderpump was the one who actually said it. Is that true? Absolutely not. Again, this is another reason why you want your deposition transcripts to be as neat and contained as possible and to remember you're making a writing. Even when you're just like trying to show another witness and say, is this accurate? It becomes you know, kind of messy if there's not like clear answers and responses. After Miss Glanville on November 11th, 2013, made her statement on international TV that she said, you said Miss Krupa had, and I apologize for saying this, but these are the words, pussy smelled. It's my understanding that you made it publicly known by social media that you never said that at all, correct? It was very embarrassing to me and my children and my ex-wives, which I have Yolanda, Yolanda and Mary, my ex-wife as well, they both can testify that I would never speak that way. I don't speak of ladies at all. Even if you look at all the tapings that they have had with me, I don't even use any found language of any kind. That's just the lowest of the low. So I don't talk about, I don't say this or that, where it's common to say on television, I don't. So therefore, you cannot see or you probably can never hear me say any found language in private or in public. That's why I was upset, because she brought in my name and another lady that she was innocent, Miss Joanna Kruper. Krupa, I know her. I know her husband. He's a friend. We've had dinners together. These kinds of words don't go out my mouth. That was a really good Muhammad. Thank you. It was really good. <laughs> and Mr. Hadid, Miss Glanville in her deposition also states that you and she then engaged in her words a text fight about what she said. Is that accurate? I don't recall such a thing. Well, she didn't produce anything, and she says she doesn't have the phone. Because there was nothing. We never spoke about it. The only thing I ever said was whatever anyone read. I was extremely upset about a conversation about someone that she barely know, I think. I don't think she knew Joanna Krupa. <laughs> okay. That's the end. So Mah <laughs> yeah, end. So Muhammad Hadid and uh, LVP both back each other up. They both say in their deposition testimony that the other one is very truthful. They both agree that the conversation never happened. They both say Brandy made the entire thing up. You'll, you know, Mohammed is very effusive when he doesn't need to be. LVP kind of took over, like pretty much took over her deposition. Um, and then volunteered a bunch of information about how Brandy lies all the time. So the only thing in this deposition testimony that came out really was that uh, both Muhammad and Yolanda think that Brandy is a liar, gave examples of her being a liar, and they just completely categorically denied that the conversation about 
that Joanna's smelly cat ever happened. They say, they say it didn't ever happen, which is, so all of this is included in the motion for punitive damages. Okay, so we just read uh, excerpts from the deposition transcripts of Brandy Glanville, LVP, and Muhammad Hadid, and those were all attached to the motion to amend Joanna Krupa's claim and ask for punitive damages, which, as we explained, are the um, type of damages which are really intended to be punitive. The judge granted that motion. So it doesn't mean that she automatically gets punitive damages, but it does mean that she will be allowed to ask a jury for those punitive damages, which is a big deal. That has a lot of that adds a lot of teeth, a lot of bite to Joanna's claim. So that's definitely not something that Brandy wanted to happen. Nope. But then Brandy decides kind of to file a motion for reconsideration on her summary judgment motion because she made various arguments, not just the jurisdictional argument, and the court only ruled on the jurisdictional argument. So do you want to say, like, what the other claim was that she was Yeah, and this is, I think, really interesting and... It's 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 a it's a legal philosophical type of like conceptual more type of theory claim. And so what in the motion for reconsideration, which some of you may not know this, but like in some local state courts, like the judge will just like scribble like a handwritten ruling on an order and then that'll get like published to the docket. And it'll just be like denied and there aren't necessarily a ton of reasons behind it. So the judge denied the motion for summary judgment um emphasize like that the jurisdiction part was denied that there was a question of fact didn't really deal with the other issue and the other issue is was was uh brandy's statement that joanna had a smelly cat is that a matter of opinion or is it a matter of fact and if it's a matter of opinion brandy's attorneys were arguing that it is not in fact slander because it's just an opinion. And then if it was a statement of fact, that is something that can be disproven. Um, that's also something that is slanderous because it's saying, oh, I I think that this is a matter of fact. Like factually, her vagina smells um, and it smells bad. Um, <laughs> but what the opinion thing is, is like, well, you know what, what smells bad to one person might smell good to another person. And Brandy's attorney actually cites case law that states that, you know, smell is a matter of opinion. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I also thought that they were trying to defeat the summary judgment standard by saying that there was not an issue of material fact because it was an opinion. And that might be getting a little too nuanced with the law. I thought they were trying to argue that there was no disputed issue of material fact because her saying that Joanna Krupa's had a smelly cat wasn't a fact. Yeah. I mean, they say like a statement implying an odor is bad versus good cannot be a statement of fact. And therefore, that would mean that this if there's no disputed issue of fact, that would mean that there this is a legal issue that could be decided by the court and the court could rule on summary judgment and say, as a matter of law, that is found to be an opinion and not a statement of fact. And therefore, this claim cannot go forward. I mean, I that's that's just a really and this is like a crude version of it, but this is a really interesting legal issue. Although I do feel like there are some things that everybody would agree smells bad. And it's like no one likes the smell of, for example, a rotting corpse. Nobody likes the smell of like fish that has been like left out. Nobody likes the smell of rotten eggs, really. Like there, like there are some things that I think we have as humans a visceral response to and say that that is a bad smell. So I could I would argue that like there are smells that are just universally regarded as bad. Um but you know these are legal arguments that are made in this context and it just it's just it's like this is Brandy is also saying that her statements were just nonsense. That this wasn't this was just a nonsensical, yeah. ridiculous, absurd statement that she made um, and she does essentially pretty much admit that she was doing it in retaliation out of just just trying to get back at Joanna. But she does not claim that she has personal knowledge of Joanna's vagina. Brandy has claimed that she has personal knowledge of other vaginas, but she does not claim that she has personal knowledge of Brandy's vagina. So it's. Yeah, I mean, it's a crafty argument. So, OK, so and did, like and I, I do want to bring this up. So the. This is a quote from a case, a, a Florida case on whether something is a statement of fact or opinion and that that's a question of law. 
And so in determining whether an alleged libelous statement is pure opinion, because it has to be in this context, pure opinion, the court must construe the statement in its totality, examining not merely a particular phrase or sentence, but all of the words used in the publication. The court must consider the context in which the statement was published and accord weight to cautionary terms used by the person publishing the statement. All the circumstances surrounding the publication must be considered, including the medium by which it was disseminated and the audience to which it was published. And so that is a bunch of, you know, lawyer words in a you know, a legal paragraph. But what that's saying is that the court has to consider whether or not this statement is a matter of opinion or fact based on the totality of the circumstances and based on whether or not statements made on Watch What Happens Live are should be considered statements of opinion or statements of fact. And the court would have to look at that in the context, the court and the jury would have to look at that in the context of well, what's the purpose of Watch What Happens Live? What is what normally happens on the show? When Brandy made the statements on the show, was it made like, you know, obviously it's not a doctor making medical statements. It's not the Surgeon General making statements about a medical issue. This is in the context of a, you know, a, um, like a comedy pop culture type show, really. I mean, it's hard to describe watch. I mean, I can't I'm trying to imagine like a judge that does not watch Real Housewives and is not interested in any of this. Um, like or like having to I'm explain to imagine, it to like, like old, re- retirees in Florida. Yeah. Jurors. Like I'm trying to imagine like an old white dude judge, which is probably who this was, like that has not has no interest in watch what happens live or doesn't know really really who any of the real housewives are having to like understand the context in which this statement yeah. was made and it's like that's that's a difficult that's difficult <laughs> to like cuz like that's what they're saying like you have to look at the context it's like basically saying like you have to have an understanding like Ceci or I would have we should have been called in <laughs> as a special judge on this honestly <laughs> we should have been pro tem cuz we understand the context but like Having to make this argument and saying you have to look at it in the context of like how the you have to understand how these statements are made on a show like Watch What Happens Live, where they literally play games of, you know, is this trash or like is this fashion? Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. So then, wait, what was the order though? So there was no order on this. Like, we went through the entire docket and there wasn't a ruling that. On this, And so the judge and I've had judges do this before where they literally like either wait to rule on like the first day of trial, like when you're like getting ready to argue motions in limine in your jury instructions or like federal courts don't typically do this, but some state courts do. Um, but there there was not a ruling on this that we could find on the docket. It's likely that either the judge was waiting to rule on it or the judge like denied it and just said that this is an issue that cannot be decided at this time based on the record. So then in between this motion and Brandy's next summary judgment motion, she gets contracts from Joanna Krupa from her time on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Excuse me, Real Housewives of Miami. And Brandy (laughs) then decides to file a second summary judgment motion really focusing on those contracts which is something we've been so interested about. <laughs> like we mentioned in the Southern Charm yeah. episode, we've been trying to get Housewives contracts, and here we have one. We have a bunch of quotes from one. It's heavily redacted, but we have a contract. 
And so the whole argument is surrounded around the fact that Krupa's claims are barred by the contract. I think it's the clause that everyone knows about, like housewives can't sue housewives. And that's exactly what Brandy's arguing, which is like, duh, like genius, you know? Yeah. No, this was really, I think this is well done by Brandy's attorney in this, like, this is a good argument and it uses Joanna Krupa's arguments about jurisdiction against her because Joanna had to argue that, like, the, you know, the entire circumstances arose out of Joanna's appearance on The Real Housewives of Miami, which was filled in Miami, therefore Florida jurisdiction, therefore two years statute of limitations. So she was able to use Joanna's own arguments that Joanna needed to make to have the case stay in Florida where she had a viable claim and state that, okay, because it's entirely based on her, you know, appearance in The Real Housewives of Miami, then these clauses in this contract should, should pro- like preclude any claim that she could make against another real housewife, even in another city. And I do think that they've probably revised the contract since to like be explicit that you can't sue someone like even in another real housewives franchise for making a statement that you agree to submit yourself to like this type of behavior by being on the show. I think they've probably edited them since then, but like it, it, it is. What do you think about that? The the clause in the contract. I, I do think it's worded broadly enough that this was a like a, a really pretty decent argument. Yeah, so I'll read it. It says, by the terms of the release clause, Mrs. Krupa irrevocably released each of the released parties from any and all claims, actions, damages, liabilities, losses, costs, and expensive of any kind, including attorneys' fees and costs arising out of, resulting from, or by reason of artist participation in connection with, and then it's Real Housewives of Miami. Let me scroll down to the actual clause. It's really hard to read. It is hard to read. To the maximum extent permitted by law, artist irrevocably releases each of... Oh, so that's just the same thing. And then I think the definition of released parties is like anyone on Bravo. Yeah, it shall mean and refer to studio network, any third-party production company engaged by studio in connection with the series, all television stations and channels, cable networks, and satellite networks that broadcast or otherwise exhibit the series, and other participants in the series, all sponsors and advertisers connected with the series, all other persons and entities connected with the series, the respective parents, subsidiaries, affiliates, licensees, success- successors, and assigns of each of the foregoing, each of their respective directors, officers, employees, agents, contractors, partners, shareholders, representatives, and members, and each of the respective – what is that word? It's blurry. Belief uh, – no. Uh, <laughs> respective – I can't read it because it's blurry. Next of kin, spouses, guardians, and legal representatives. Legal, so, yeah. yeah. That's pretty broad. It is broad, so I don't really think they needed to expand on the contract. It's pretty broad. You cannot sue someone else involved in Bravo. Right. Um, yeah, and Brandy's argument is that when she made the statements, she was a housewife. Like, she's not now <laughs> when she filed this motion. Yeah, she but, got fired. <laughs> right. Well, according to her and her deposition, it was mutual. She didn't want to film with those women anymore. Yeah, okay. Um, and they didn't want to film with her. Yeah, so so in in the motion, it's like they're, they're making this argument about the release clause. They go into whether or not the release clause is enforceable by going through case law. Another argument they make is that Joanna assumed the risk by being on the show. I thought this was interesting. They argue that consent is a complete defense in a defamation act 
action. And they point to a misrepresentations clause in Joanna's contract. And it essentially says that she should have known that there could be hurtful things said or brought to light about her. And that clause, I'll read it because I love these contracts. (laughs) It says, artist acknowledges that the nature of the series is such that for dramatic effect, studio may make certain misrepresentations to others and artists prior to and during the course of artists' participation in the series, including prior to artists signing this agreement, which which misrepresentations may relate to any and all topics of every kind and nature whatsoever. I mean, I feel like that's so broad, it's almost not enforceable. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. And it also is, it says against the studio, not necessarily Brandy. Or, like, yeah. another housewife can make misrepresentations. But I guess it's kind of like Brandy's making the argument that it's it's just the nature of the beast of being on a show like this. So. I mean, what do you think about that? I feel like I, I can see – I can really see both arguments. I – like, when you sign – like, if you when you sign up to go on Real Housewives, especially the, now that the shows have been going on for so many years and we've seen so many things happen – I feel like you do, I would say this, maybe not in the beginning, but I would say by now, like you do like implicitly consent to having false statements made about you because that's kind of the nature of the show. People spreading rumors, people like there's some of the, some of the, some of the housewives seem to have like kind of a social contract where they kind of agree not to talk about certain things i.e. Beverly Hills, but like there's no actual rule about that. I, I, What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, another argument that Brandy makes is like that this is how reality TV is. It's a form of entertainment where there is opportunities to embarrass people and you insult people and that's what gets the ratings. So that's an argument that she's making. Kind of reminds me of um, Trump's Twitter argument that we talked about in the first episode in this two-part series where Trump was like, well, Twitter, or m- maybe both twi- um, Trump and Elon Musk were like, Twitter is just, uh, this is what you do on Twitter. Yeah. You bring people down. It's just par for the course. And you shouldn't get mad when it happens to you because you signed up for it. So I don't think it's, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I think I might agree with you, like how you said during the Twitter conversation we had before like the law should still hold true and have the same teeth and effect regardless of the circumstance but I don't know she signed up she signed this contract and another thing that Brandy pointed out or pointed to were these like other clips of people saying really crappy stuff about her on Real Housewives of Miami yeah um like about her being a prostitute in Europe so yeah, I mean, that was pointed out, too. Like, so they deposed her husband, and we have some of that deposition transcript. They deposed Joanna Krupa's hus- like, husband, although they were, I think, in the process of getting divorced at the time that he was deposed. And, you know, one of the issues in a case like this is, like, what was what was the harm? Like, what was the damage to you, to your relationships, to your life? And so one of the, one of the attacks that was made against Joanna, like, legally was, well, all these other terrible things were said about you. But you didn't file lawsuits over those. So isn't this just par for the course? Like they said you were like, you know, a, a prostitute. They said you were like all of these. They said all these other terrible things about you. But you sued Brandy over 
this. So like, didn't those other things yeah. also harm your relationship as well? How can you prove that it was this particular statement that harmed your relationship as in your life, as opposed to all these other terrible things the women said about you on the show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, it's interesting. I, I personally, I don't feel like you essentially like sell your soul and your life to like the devil and that you agree that people can just make up completely false things about you. I mean, it's like, I, I can see both sides of the argument. I think that was a, like a good argument to make, but I yeah. feel like you, it's supposed to be reality TV. So yes, like, like the little stupid bullshit things, like maybe on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, where it's like, did she say your pants were ugly? Did she say like, whatever? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like that is kind of like that I would say is par for the course, but like having somebody claim and forever label you as having like a terrible personal hygiene or, you know, bacterial issue is different than that. Like, it's like, if you look at comments on Joanna's, you know, pictures that are posted or anything about her and it's like, oh, that's the, because people are so, they're so mean. It's like, that's the B mm -hmm. with the smelly V, you know, it's like, is that yeah. fair to have that follow her around? Like, did she agree to that when she signed that contract? Did she, you know, like, I don't know. They're good arguments to be made on both sides. I I don't yeah. think it's necessarily. Yeah, I don't think Brandy has or Brandy or Trump have carte blanche to just make up stuff and say whatever they want, and just because yeah. it's on Twitter or it's part of a reality show. I I don't I yeah. don't agree. I don't think I agree. Or with that. just because you're on like Watch What Happens Live. Yeah, yeah. So another case that they point to, um, I thought this would be a, a fun aside, is the Doctor Clapper case. So I don't watch Mob Wives, but this concerned, uh, I guess, a cast member on Mob Wives. She got plastic surgery done. Wait, and I surgeon... watched Mob Wives. Which one? Which cast member? I love Big Ange. I didn't write it down. But it's Dr. Clapper filed a release or he signed a release to appear on Mob Wives. The patient claims that she almost flatlined due to complications during the surgery. And she said this on the show. Dr. Clapper, of course, was pissed off that she said it because... You know, he has a reputation to maintain, and he sued for defamation. The court observed that reality TV participants are free to enter into contractual agreements which limit liability, and such agreements will be binding upon the parties provided the language is sufficiently clear and unambiguous. They noted that if there is a risk when you participate in reality TV, oh, they noted that there is a risk that when you participate in reality TV, you might be criticized or portrayed in an unflattering manner. The court held that the appearance release barred his defamation, slander, and libel claims against the show's owners and producers. So that seems to really mirror what's going on here and great case for them to find. Yeah. I'm trying to remember who that was. Was that Sammy the Bull's daughter? That Which one well, was let's it? Let's Google no. Dr. Clapper. Yeah. I haven't watched that show in years, but Mob Wives was definitely Renee good. Graziano. Oh, Graziano. Yeah, Renee. She, yeah. Okay. I remember this now because she did like, okay, totally remember. Mob Wives, totally recommend. Love Big Ange. Um, it's very entertaining. Maybe one day we'll do like, like a, you know, a deviation from our Real Housewives content and talk about some of their legal issues, which are wide and varied and involve multiple crimes and are fascinating. So then, like, Brandy 
compares this case to what happened to Dr. Clapper. And she said that, like we were just talking about, Krupa undertook the risk of criticism, second guessing, and an unflattering portrayal of herself by participating in Real Housewives of Miami. She signed the release assuming the risk. She assumed the risk of defamatory statements. And that assumption of risk is a defense in intentional tort cases like this Mm. one. Yeah. And she assumed the risk by being a public figure on a reality TV show. There is also a waiver of privacy clause and other claims clause in the contract. And it says that others may reveal personal, private, surprising, defamatory, disparaging, embarrassing information. While it might constitute an actionable tort, the artist has freely and knowingly consented to such conduct. I mean, but I feel like even in that clause... And because it is a reality TV show, I mean, they're saying, like, somebody could reveal embarrassing personal private information that it's like you would – there is an expectation that, okay, like, if you have skeletons in your closet and have done things that you're embarrassed of, that stuff is might is probably going to be drug out into the light. But I, I still don't think it gives people carte blanche to just make up, like, rumors that they have no – foundation for about you that could really really harm your life i just i still don't and maybe i'm i just still don't think that even though i err on the side of like not saying like because also it's like there is i know we all know the situations are contrived but it's supposed to be still like reality tv and like the stuff that is like the most compelling and the most interesting are the storylines that have truth to them like, yeah, you know, we've got this, you know, second motion for summary judgment. The court does not rule on this either. Like, we don't have an order on this. Um, we have an order on that. Like, the first one was denied. We don't have, like, a specific order on this, which leads us to believe that the court was waiting to rule on this. Um, oh, so well, one thing, that they, she attached another part of her deposition. I always wonder, like, like. Because you're supposed to be attaching exhibits that help your arguments. And I don't really understand why she attached this part. But there was a question I thought it was just interesting where counsel, Joanna's counsel, asks whether whether she said this statement because she's no longer a housewife. <laughs> anyway. Why yeah. did she, so wait, how did Brandy respond to that? She said no. Mm. I don't, yeah, I don't but know I don't really that... understand why she put that in her motion. Get, judges and clerks don't want to read anything extra. It's like you put in exactly what you need and what helps you and like don't add like they don't. I mean, I guess unless they're a Real Housewives fan, because I would happily read all of this if I were yeah, a clerk or, like, or a judge. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be so excited. Put in more. But for the most part, they don't want any extra. <laughs> they're like, please no. Yeah. I also like that they use like, how long were you a friend of? Like, that's a question that the lawyer asked. <laughs> I just, I like, I just imagine trying to pick this jury, like in like Florida. Like it would be that would that would be a difficult jury to pick. Oh, incredibly! Because like, you're going to get a lot of, you know, it's going to be a lot of people that are retired, and then other people that like probably don't watch the show. And it's like the older demographic is going to be probably horrified that someone would make these statements about someone else, and. And I, it's not a good jury pool for Brandy's <laughs> side of the case, probably. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. I hadn't read this whole thing. <laughs> Wait, the deposition of the husband? No. Um, Brandy. Joanna attached the last one. This is Brandy's motion. The counsel's like, 
you knew you were hurting her. And Brandy goes, no, I wasn't hurting her. I was not trying to hurt her. I don't know her. I would not want to hurt her. Someone I know, I don't put that much energy into her. What is my client known for? She's known for punching people in the face on TV and getting drunk. And (laughs) oh, yeah, the attorney goes, you just can't help yourself, can you? Not having sex with her husband on TV. I watch the show. Counsel, you just can't help yourself, can you? Brandy, you asked me what she's known for. She's known for the Real Housewives of Miami. That's what I know her for. Wow. <laughs> I mean, Brandy's not helping her. I mean, I did watch season because I wanted to understand why. I feel like Brandy also felt so emboldened because at the time, Joanna Krupa was seen as very much like a villain. She's like this mm-hmm. shockingly, devastatingly beautiful woman who was, you know, made mean comments about infertility, was not, no, you know, she was really kind of like the villain on the show. And so Brandy was getting a lot of fan encouragement back at that time for her kind of attack on Joanna. And the thing is, like, the fan encouragement is not going to hold up in court. Like, no, that's it, not going to help you. It's not <laughs> that's not evidence. Yeah. So I think she felt very validated by that and emboldened. And so she couldn't help but I think be performative in her depositions thinking like somehow like that that was going to that was going to carry over or apply. And it just doesn't. It doesn't. Right. Yeah. So after that, the court sent the case to mediation, which is a form of alternative dispute resolution. It's trying to get the case done outside of court without wasting judicial resources. And they could not reach a settlement. So then it was like <laughs> set to go forward to trial, which would have been a sick trial. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But they, they had to, they each filed um, their witness lists for trial. Do you want to go over those? Yeah. So there's like some there's a couple unusual things. So like first they like they file their witness list. I have I have Brandy's witness list. Brandy's, I have Joanna's. So Joanna's witness list, it's the people that she would call at trial. Brandy Lanville, Joanna Krupa, duh. Lisa Vanderpump, Mohammed Hadid, Yolanda Foster, Alexander G. Baskin, and they say he's from Evolution Media. Robert Tracy Adkins, no idea who that is. Andy Cohen. She's Romaine call, wait, Zago. So wait, Joanna was calling Andy Cohen as a witness? Yeah. <laughs> that would, like, come on. This trial would have been sick. It would have been amazing. Howard Stern, Ross Matthews. I'm assuming she said, we know she said statements on Howard Stern. I'm assuming she said some on Ross, with Ross Matthews present as well. Steve Cooper, Alexia Echeverria, Adriana DeMora, Lou Cohen, Evelyn Cohen, Mark Consuelos. The reason she put Mark Consuelos was because he was the guest with her on Watch What Happens Live with Brandy when she made the statements. Oh, that's who that was. Okay. Yeah. Um, Jessica Adams, Melissa Berger from Berger PR, Alex Shankman from Abram Artists Agency. She has a long list. I won't go over all of these. It's some people from financial management places, some attorneys, um... Brandy and like Brandy's all like corporate corporations. Oh my God. Wait, this is insane. They put corporate representatives and or record custodians of these entities. So it's like Brandy Glanville LLC, Brandy Glanville Inc. But then they also put Bravo, Evolution Film and Tape, Podcast One, the U.S. Department of Treasury, IRS, (laughs) Twitter, 
Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TMZ, like you're really going to call a representative from Instagram over this? I mean, it's probably like a records, like it's probably like a, rec, like, you know, a custodian of records. And so like they have yeah. to put that on there to like, you know, authenticate the records. Craig's, which is where the salmon incident happened. The salmon incident. <laughs> Book places. It's just very long, very long. So do you want to go over Brandy's? Brandy's list is much shorter. Um, it's not anywhere near as detailed as um, – I'm sorry. It just disappeared off my computer. So, like, Brandy's, Brandy's trial witness list, she lists herself and Joanna Krupa. So that's the plaintiff. And then she also, interestingly, lists uh, Joanna's soon-to-be ex-husband – Romaine Zago. Is that how you say his name? Is it like Romaine like lettuce or, or like I don't know. I just said Romaine too. Okay. I think I think it's Romaine. But like in his deposition, he literally says that that Joanna's cat is the best cat he's ever had and that it smells better than any cat. I mean, like these are like he said this on the record and he was very combative in his deposition, but he said she's the most beautiful woman and has the best cat of all the cats and that he's had a lot of cats and this is his favorite cat and it is by far the best and that he <laughs> loves it i mean her ex-husband spoke very highly of her on the record in a deposition will soon to be ex-husband so i mean that says something if your ex-husband is willing to still say such nice things about you although because they're not divorced he probably wanted half of any settlement that they might get so he did probably have some motivation to do that um, Brandy also lists LVP, even though there is like zero testimony that LVP gave that would be helpful. Muhammad Hadid, again, zero testimony that Muhammad Hadid gave that would be helpful to her. And then Robert Atkins from Craig's restaurant. Um, <laughs> and that's all she's got on there. So that's not, <laughs> it's a much shorter yeah. witness list. And none of those witnesses, I think, would be particularly helpful to yeah. Brandy. But at least at trial, her counsel could cross-examine them. Yeah. And, like, you know, um, yeah, you, you could call really, them. really ask questions about that weird side-of-the-road meeting with Joanna. But <laughs> I, Muhammad make, had. Yeah, it makes no sense. Um, so the another thing that happens is that's kind of unusual is that like right before trial, um, Brandy files another motion to dismiss. And that's, that's very unusual to happen so close to trial. Um, and it, it shows how contentious this entire process has been. Like the, the attorneys have been fighting tooth and nail. They fought over every, almost every discovery request depositions that are, you know, typically it's fairly easy to schedule depositions and you agree with opposing counsel that was fought over. Costs of depositions were fought over. And like, as Sussie talked about, the court ordered Joanna's uh, gynecological records to be produced for an in-camera inspection. And in this motion to dismiss, Joanna's... Oh, just to pause. In-camera yeah. in camera is in court. Oh, Someone yeah, wanted sorry. us to In chambers. It means it's again. Latin for, like, in chambers. Um, which means that the judge looks at it. And that no one else sees it, which is completely reasonable for somebody's gynecological records. So the judge was going to have to review Joanna's gynecological records to see if there was anything relevant before the opposing counsel, um, before Brandy and her opposing counsel could get a hold of them. 
but like Joanna's uh, Brandy's attorneys are saying, well, they never gave the court ordered them to be produced and they never gave them to us. And then in response to this motion to dismiss and for failure to like comply with court orders, Joanna's attorneys are like, we talked about this. We agreed that there would be like an agreed upon handover date to the judge. You never got back to me on that and produced emails showing that they had had an agreement and that, you know, and then accused Brandy's attorneys of not having candor candor with the court. It's like it's like a whole it just shows like when you when you're an attorney and you see something like that, it shows like how contentious every single aspect of this was that they they can't even make agreements as to like when records will be produced to the judge and then, you know, it be forthcoming about like, well, there was an agreement and then it wasn't done or whatever. Like it's pretty bad. Um Yeah. Well, yeah, but then like two days later they ended up producing them anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so she, Krupa, notwithstanding the stuff that Brandy Glanville, according to them, didn't do. I mean, they used the words crying wolf in the motion. And then they also attempted to subpoena uh, Joanna's, um, like, spray tan person for a deposition to give testimony about, like, it's it's just, like... It got so far as to be, they were subpoenaing the spray tanner. Like, that's how bad this got. Like, it was, this is just like an extraordinarily expensive case. And the only people that benefited from it, I'm pretty sure, are the lawyers. Like. Yeah. So the resolution is that they settled. <laughs> um, which we've talked about before. Like, we don't know the terms of the settlement, but we can guess that, or we can we can tell that Brandy had to apologize because she made a public apology. She said, I want to apologize to Joanna Krupa for the statements I have made about her. I regret ever making such statements about Joanna Krupa. I also also certainly never intended my statements to be taken so seriously and out of proportion. I apologize as I never wanted my statements to affect Joanna Krupa's reputation, and I wish her nothing but continued success in life. Krupa also issued a statement via her rep following Brandy's statement, and she said, I am moving on with my life, considering all the changes that are happening to me this year. I'm very happy with the settlement and have no regrets. I hope I inspired others to always speak up when they believe they are wronged and not allow it. I mean, obviously, these were contractually agreed to statements, although Joanna seems much more favorable. Brandy did not. I mean, she gut she was no longer a real housewife of beverly hills she really did not there's no way that it was like reasonable for her to be spending all this money to defend herself on this and i think the like the lasting impact from this is that bravo and the real housewife contracts were more likely than not modified to specifically put a clause in that you cannot sue over this type of behavior because it really probably does you know make people afraid to say things. I don't know that that's good necessarily, but it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, there are people willing to sign them, so. It still amazes me. It's still still fascinating to me. I just, yeah, it's amazing. So that's, we've explained slander. We have explained a lot of civil procedure. We've explained a lot of discovery procedure. And I hope you're not disappointed with the outcome of this case because it did finally settle. Um, it's it's one of those things where this is probably, 
even though this the two sides clearly hated each other, that's probably the best resolution was them for them to settle and move on for their lives. I mean, I do think that LVP was probably right, and it drew far more attention to it by, you know, Joanna filing this lawsuit, because we certainly wouldn't be talking about it now if she hadn't. Oh, no, that's how I felt. <laughs> but I, as far as this, it, this is a super interesting legal issue, and it is fascinating to talk about. And it's like, at some point, even if something isn't necessarily illegal or you can't sue, maybe it's still wrong to go that far. You know? It's not yeah. worth it to try to win an argument. It's better, don't win at arguments, win at life. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Thank you for listening. That's the end of the two-parter. Until next time. Until next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Bravo Docket is part of the Acast Creator Network.